Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rules of the Game, a podcast for Independent Education's Great Conversations Project, where your host, Butch Porter, that's me, has in-depth conversations with good people about great ideas. If you're listening to this on the Great Conversations page or on our Patreon, we're excited to have you. Please consider becoming a subscriber on either of those pages to get access to special content. Also, for your convenience, please add us to your podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, good evening then. Welcome to Rules of the Game podcast. I am your host, Butch Porter. With me today is the beautiful and talented, the illustrious, the one and only, Jessica Hausberger. Good morning, friends. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am pouring my second cup of coffee for the day. Nice. So, French press, a little Mayorga from the Costco's. Uh, such my favorite coffee. My favorite, like, coffee that I can afford. Right. You know. Um, there was a Jamaican restaurant in, in, in town that served this Blue Mountain coffee. It was like, you know, thirty dollars a pound or something, right? I mean, th- those were the good old. But I uh, I haven't had any of that in a while. But other than that, like stuff I can buy in the store in large quantities, my favorite coffee. So I'm happy. So what's going on in Tennessee? Anything exciting? We've got like uh, 85 degree and 90 degree temps for the next uh, few days. And yep, yep. We're feeling a little bit of that too. The last week of school for the kids after a kind of a, a little bit of a weird year. And everybody's just getting ready for summer. A and... little bit weird. Yeah, it's been more than a little bit weird here. And we have like three weeks left, I think. You live in Loudoun County, Butch, so... We're, we're all aware across it's the It's amazing States. how much news my <laughs> county's getting. It's uncanny. So, um, yeah, well, on, on, a, on the good news front, uh, they lifted the mask mandates uh, here in Virginia, nice. sort of. Basically, what Hogan did, who's the Maryland governor north of us, what he decided was just lift the mask mandates. Like we're done, no more mask mandates. We're going to get back to normal. Everything's looking good. We like the numbers, science and science, blah, blah, blah. And King Ralph, our governor here in Virginia, decided that he was going to lift them, but only for those vaccinated. So, which means that, but he also says that he can't enforce the vaccination requirement. And so he's not going to like make it to where anybody's going to check your vaccination card, your little passport or whatever they give you, which means he's going to try to make law, you know, lawbreakers out of everyone who's going to, uh, you know, not wear a mask who doesn't have the um, vaccination, which is hilarious. Um, uh, I don't share private health information on, on the interwebs, but um, let's just say that I'm I'm done wearing masks. I can't believe you ever wore one to begin with, but it's humiliating. I know. I know. Well, no, I mean, I have business owner friends, right? You know, and so it's the, it's the law here. And um, 
the only exception to those rules are probably Home Depot and uh, and uh, you know the grocery store. I did wear them there too. I um, but not anymore. No, no, we're done. Stick a fork in me. I mean, once the CDC says that you no longer need to wear a mask, then obviously it's time for the governor. Who is to... the CDC? Everybody keeps talking about. I don't know. I, I, it's like this group of this cabal of bureaucrats, thirty miles west, of, east of here. No, I think you know. Moving on from the mask, uh, the mask mandate being lifted, and all of that. It's it's interesting. I think we all kind of learned a little bit about ourselves during this year, and um, not that that should be like validating or affirming on any level. It really should just we should look at it with curiosity. We should look back over the last year. And we should, we should consider what the mandates were and what, how the laws changed and how businesses operated differently and how it impacted small business owners and, and medical, medical care, people who work in the medical field. And, and we should kind of just look at our own personal response and, 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 and take the opportunity to learn a little bit about ourselves and how we interacted with all of that. What we did, what we did right, what we feel like we did right, maybe what we could have handled a little bit better, so that as we move forward into the next quote-unquote crisis or situation that kind of, um, you know, puts uh, you know freedom, for lack of a better word, up against community safety and all of that, so that we can put our best foot forward next time and and kind of do just a little bit better than we did last time. Because it was a new experience for a lot of us. Yeah, Jessica, I I'm really disappointed in you. I, I don't think you're virtue signaling enough. I really think what you need to declare is like what you believe and what Why you know to be true. Not virtue signaling. Get away with it. Like, please, can I just have one moment no. to signal virtuosity without getting called out on it? No, 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 no. No, this is um, no. You weren't signaling virtuosity. You were you were trying to. You're trying to you were you were doing what I would describe as the as the uh, conservative version, like general conservative version of mansplaining, right? You're you're like being rational and trying to, uh, you know, hash out some sort of way of looking at the world that matches up with comedy and and uh, rationality and human flourishing and things like that. I mean, to to say things like that. This day and age, without telling me, you know, okay, what does that mean though? Who are you supporting? Like, who are you? Who are you against, or who are you for? Like, which side are you on, Jessica? Right. See, this is our topic today, as you guys might be figuring out slowly but surely, is the difference between seeking what is true versus, um, well, I could, I guess, um trying to trying to win an argument versus um, having a discussion is one is one uh, iteration of it. Uh, another one is um, trying to convince someone of, of truth versus seeking truth, I guess is, a, is another one. My, my favorite sim simplistic view of this dilemma is um, truth versus unity, right? So, mm -hmm. I think what we've had over the last year is a lot of people telling us what is true and what is not true. 
Mm -hmm. okay. And this is on so many levels, right? I mean, let's name the topics. Like masks are bad for you. Masks are good for you. Trump won the election. Trump didn't win the election. Um, America is racist. America is not racist, right? So those are those are expressions of truth. And my hunches that express the way that they've been expressed over the last year, I don't think that they get anybody anywhere, right? So because in a lot of cases, and some of those might be in that category, there's a truth. Like it's either true or it's not, right? And 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 in some cases, more than one thing can be true at the same time. Like trademark, you know, that's a that's a rules of the game. That's our number one rule, right? Yeah. So the question for the day is, and I don't even know if we'll come up with a rule today. We made this maybe the only ruleless. No, there's always a rule. Who's kidding? I mean, who am I kidding? A second, you know, there's going to be I a mean, rule. If there weren't any rules, what would I break? You know. I've got to have something to shoot for. Absolutely I true. You, I, you I tried to convince a friend of mine of that a few years ago, and she wouldn't buy it. Like, if you don't know what the rules are, you can't break them. Right. The rules are for everyone else to follow. Um, right. I think we have to look at the word true and truth, and we have to define it at least lightly. And I think. Did you look at the weekly Wednesday wordplay today? On, on No. Um, what is it? You, you didn't? Okay. Because that was our word, true. Truth. Okay. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. then we probably have some good input there. But, you know, right off the bat, it's kind of almost like you're pointing at factual information as the basis of truth. And, of course, that's a, a good place to start, right? Sure. Um, but yeah. it's just, Sometimes. it really is just a start. And, and facts, quote unquote facts, can be flexible in a sense because, you know, we're always getting new information and we're getting new things that are going to change what kind of objective information we're dealing with at any point in time. And we've seen that this year and we've seen that manipulated and, and used to, to try to illuminate truth in different directions. But I think one of the elements of truth that's important is not just objective, observable, observable information that passes, you know, portions of the scientific method at any given point in time. It has to be more than that. And truth has to be informed with with wisdom and and so we look at wisdom um as conservatives i think we look at wisdom as a, a body of knowledge that a, a body of um of, of belief and knowledge and uh, insight and understanding that has evolved over the course of, of human history and and is handed down from from a creator of of universal wisdom and truth and so when we take observable information and we put it underneath the umbrella of that of that wisdom you know truth starts to become less flexible whereas facts kind of remain flexible to a certain extent sure um, and, and so i think you know when we look at truth versus unity i want to come right off the bat and say you know for me unity and truth both emanate from the same place god is the author of both truth and unity so when you put them up against each other, it doesn't even make sense to me. But we have to kind well, of break it down into more sure. objective terms, I guess, so that we can kind of look at that argument. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, another, another way of, of, of wording it could be purity versus truth. Or, or purity versus unity, I guess. is Yeah, purity versus unity. Like, look at the – and next week, I don't want to get too, too deep into the Republican versus conservative thing. 
-hmm. or, you know, what does it mean to be a Republican kind of thing? Because I'm going to have that conversation next week with none other than Sophia Nelson. So next week, we're going to have a a repeat guest, Sophia Nelson. She's been on once. And actually, I was on her podcast, uh, which we which we uh, which we uh, put on this one right before the election. Um, But we're going to talk about the like the, you know, the right of center political landscape. So I'd rather not spend too much time on that. But in general, I think the unity versus purity thing is a is a is a is a is a huge challenge. Right. In other words, it's true that if you're looking at it objectively, that unity and truth are the same thing. Right. I mean, that's that makes perfect sense. But if you're a group, right, and and almost by definition, a group designed to to challenge other groups. Right. I mean, like in politics, it's Republican versus Democrat. So if you're a Republican, then you're you're trying to figure out what a Republican is so you can take that group and be effective and fight the Democrats. Right. I don't know that religion should be treated exactly the same way, but the assumption is, is that the less than, you know, a plurality of the, or less than a majority at least of the planet is say Christian. Right. So the question is, what does it mean to be a Christian? What, what, you know, what is, what is left inside of that tent and what is left outside of that tent mm-hmm. and how big do we want that tent to be? How, how big do we want to define it? If we define it larger, then are we sacrificing essential truths? If we define it smaller, then are we too small to be effective, right? And I think that's, if you're talking about influence in society as a whole, which in religion and politics is is an issue. Um, in other words, when I look at unity, I'm looking at unity as a, as a group, not unity as humanity right you could if you approached it that way unity you know a unity of humanity then it would that that only becomes a question from your from that definition when the aliens arrive yes yes right when the the aliens arrive we'll have to know whether we're objectively true or not as humanity or right Sure. I'm just saying. <laughs> what I hear you kind of basically saying, though, is to the extent that you are wanting to or willing to make demarcations about what is true or not true, specifically within the Christian faith, the more you put yourself at risk for divisions, essentially, and and, and sure. schisms with other group of people, and and so. Um, and then, and then, are, are the are the schisms? or demarcations or divisions, are they useful? Are they positive? Are they more, I mean, the positives are you're defining truth more narrowly and accurately from your point of view, but you risk, mm-hmm. you risk disunity. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you make an excellent point when you, when you ask if there are benefits, because I mean, I, I see great benefit in diversity of, of thought and belief. Um, it, and as far as on, on, on a spiritual level, though, if that is within the context of understanding who God is, I think that is probably the most important aspect of the Christian faith. Faith is understanding that God is, number one, infinite. He's the Alpha and the Omega. 
He's all powerful. He's omniscient. He loves infinitely. He embodies love and he's the triune God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ and God. If you understand like these basic elements of who God is, right? How can you go wrong? I you know, how can you go well, wrong? Like Okay. I, Okay, first off, not everybody has exactly that understanding, right? But two, um, I mean, there are non-Trinitarian Trinitarians out there who call themselves Christian. And I would I would say, like you, I'd say that's a lie. But I don't want to get into the details of theology. That's not what I'm trying to get to. What I'm trying to get to is, is let's let me word it a different way. This is like word salad day. We're just going to keep throwing out different ways of defining this. And another one that I enjoy, which has been relevant in my life, and I'm actually going to write an article on this topic, is evangelism versus ecumenism. Okay. Right? So so if you're evangelizing, if your single purpose is evangelism, then you need to know exactly what truth you're saying. Right. I mean, this is one definition anyway. So you have to know what you're defining and you have to go out there and you tell people your truth or the truth from your point of view. Right. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so you think that this is I mean, you feel this is the objective truth. This is what this is what God, you know, has told us. And you're going to go share that truth. And it doesn't have to be religion. It can be, oh, I don't know. Let me just pull one out of a hat. Just a random example like that has nothing to do with what's going on today. Uh, critical race theory. You know that it's the truth. And so your job is to go out and to share and explain and drive home that truth with others. So whatever it is, it could be global warming or, you know, AGW, right? It could be uh, flat earth. It could be the flat earth. If you believe that earth is flat, then you have this set of truths that you've internalized and you go out and you share that with others. The other approach, of course, is ecumenism, where you have your sets of truths, but your job is simply to have conversations with those who are interested in a similar set of truths. And you stand beside them and you seek truth together. And it, not that you don't judge, not that you don't say, you know, I think I'm right and I think you're wrong, but you do it in a way in which you acknowledge the possibility that you're not God and you don't know everything, sure. right? And that there are things you can learn from people who disagree with you, even if they're wrong. Like, even if they're wrong about core basic things, there's things you can learn from them because they're also human beings that help not, not only, not only help you from an, from, you know, what is it? Iron sharpens iron, you know, making your arguments more sound, but also help you in terms of adding a little bit of humanity uh, from somewhere else to, to your point of view and making it more um, whole and good and yeah, perfect I mean, and effective, if that makes any sense. So sure, I, I know people who treat their religion in both of those directions. Like sure. I wouldn't say they're extremists, but I know folks who are strict evangelists, like their job is to share their truth with me and, and others and everyone. Yeah. And then I know folks who 
treat religion more as a, like, I guess you could say the other extreme where, look, I don't know anything. I just, I'm interested in all of it. And I want to, I, I think we should all be seeking truth together kind of mm -hmm. thing. Right. Those are, those are kind of, um, I know more people in the latter extreme than I do the former, but I do, I do know a few in the former. Yeah. So, well, I think I, I buy into the whole concept of spiritual gifting and, I think it's in first or second Corinthians where, you know, Paul kind of talks about the body of Christ and, and, and people being gifted, you know, having a, a natural personality style where the, the Lord is able to kind of tap into that and use you to contribute to the body of Christ in a unique way. And some people, their, their gift is um, evangelism and, uh, and, and being narrowly focused on, kind of sharing that, that good news or sharing um, the truth of the gospel. And some people are gifted in different directions. And some people are even more, um, you know, curious driven, more questioning. And I think you and I probably naturally fall more underneath that um, umbrella in some ways. Um, and, and that's fine. They both serve a purpose and, and they're both great. Uh, neither one is right or wrong. And I think what's really neat um, is, is watching how God uses different people to, for his purposes in different ways. Right. You know? Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I think um, there's a finite number of spiritual gifts in that, in that passage, right? So it's, you know, prophecy and teaching and tongues and mm -hmm. mercy and, what are the other ones? I don't remember all of them. Do you remember all of them? I have to go back and look. I don't know them off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend in, in um, when I was a kid, like, you know, when I was a youth, you know, in, in Baptist church or whatever, who told me her spiritual gift was a spiritual gift of mercy. Are you familiar with that one? Mm -hmm. Which means that complete total strangers uh, will sit beside you and tell you their life story. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, I'm pretty sure that's the one I got. Are I didn't you serious? get. Well, yeah, I didn't get one of those handier one. I don't prophecy and teaching and and uh, what's the other? There's a service. That would be a handy one. Like being that service. Be nice. yeah. yeah, I like that one. Um, I want other people to have the that one. You know, I want to I want to be served. I'm just kidding. So. But um, actually, love languages is a, is a funny topic in our in our household. Um, like, you know, my wife read the book, you know, she, well, I don't even know she read the whole Let book. Let me just guess she, right off the bat, your quality time and she's acts of service. No, 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 no. It's the opposite. Really? Right. I, I really like to be, I like to be doted upon and served or whatever. Like I, I like people to bring me things. You know, and she's if I was a drinker, I would be like, you know, Hey, bring me a beer. She drew me a beer. You know, so no, um, I, I'm that, but she still doesn't know that. That's what it, that's our running joke. Like she, she doesn't, she never remembers that. I know what hers are. She doesn't know what mine are. Anyway, so the point is, is that um, you're right. There are there are skills that we have, and some are more useful for some things than others. So maybe this is just simply a personal choice. Um. But let me take an example that I think is relevant, and I just mentioned it. 
is the whole CRT thing, okay. right? Um, I think that's a truth versus unity question. Like at its core, I think everything about it is a truth versus unity question. In other words, I'm willing to concede that there are things that are true about race in America that the CRT crowd is positing. I'm just not sure it's a good idea to engineer our lives around it. And I think we're better off engineering our lives around something more unifying, right? So to me, I'm making an explicit choice that yes, the truth may be X, but what's more important is Y in order to get to Z, if that makes any sense at all. So that's, 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 I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, if I'm, if I'm getting what you're saying, it's almost, it's kind of like you're saying, look, some elements of this are true, but, but, but you know what, there's also some truth over here and some truth over here. And which one of those truths should we really focus on for the betterment of society at large? Is that kind of what you're saying? I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. I, I think that's, that's, that's also true. I, from my point of view, I think that's, I think there are competing facts and competing narratives with CRT that are equally as relevant and need to be considered before one engineers society around, you know, that, that family of ideas to make us make the world a better place. But I am even willing to concede the, the possibility that the CRT position from a truth standpoint could be more true, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that it is because I don't believe that it is. But what I'm saying is, is it's, is it is possible that it is. I mean, I'm a white dude, right? So I don't know, right? That's the that's the position is that I'm not willing, I'm not able I mean, to I take- I don't think your ability to look at whether something or is true or not <coughs> from your race. I think no, no, that's no, racist. No, you're, misunder you're misunderstanding me. I okay. don't believe that it's objectively true, okay? What I'm saying is, is that I don't, I don't have enough uh, objective, absolute, total, capital T knowledge, capital T truth knowledge to say that it can't possibly be true, right? Because from some people's points of view, it absolutely is true. And I mean, it's a theory. All theories are true. I mean, all theories are true theories. Are you okay, saying Okay, I'm just saying that our view of the world, our perspective of the world is not irrelevant. I mean, if you're going to have a subject object decide with object with the caveat that subject is not completely irrelevant. In other words, I think there are objective truths about race in America, and I think we have a tendency lately to ignore them. Um, but I also think that there are points of view and experiences that people have that are not irrelevant, right? If you're a person of color in the United States who's had a really, really bad time and it's because of your race. I mean, why are you going to listen to me tell you that it's objectively not true? It doesn't really matter if it's if it's statistically not true or if statistically way better, or if even with that knowledge, it doesn't make sense to do X, Y, and Z, CRT, whatever it is. So my point is, is that even if I were to, for the sake of argument, for the sake of clarity, concede the possibility that the narrative behind CRT has some merit, I'm still not willing to concede 
that pursuing actions and policies and perspectives and education goals around that narrative is a good idea. Sure. I still think it's a bad idea, even if the truths behind it are more true than the other truths that you're talking about. Um, it's still not a good idea. And I can, you know, I can explain why, but that's not really relevant. What, what the point is, is I think the goal, our goal should be different and should be more um, future focused and more humanity focused and unity focused than CRT allows for. Yeah. Well, I think the, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think the base of the basis of CRT is, is really kind of rooted in the Marxist thinking of, of conflict theory, you know, that, that conflict sure. theory where groups must battle each other, where there are groups that are in power and the groups that are not in power must challenge the groups that are, are in power through whatever means necessary to equalize power so that power is equal. Now, some people are more willing to accept the functionality of power structures and um, within society and, and maybe even kind of look to biology as this reflection of society and say, okay, maybe, um, you know, imbalances in power and authority structures are actually fairly natural and maybe we should learn to embrace them and find you know, an amount of equality within those power structures that's functional and leads to more unifying feelings and thoughts. Whereas, I mean, if your entire basis for societal change is rooted in conflict and tearing apart society's structures, well, you got to look at what the end game of that looks like. And the end game of that <laughs> to me is chaos, anarchy, not not this like pie in the sky democracy. Anyway, you have to look at the underlying truth, and and that to me is the the big the big T. So um, yeah, you do have to ask yourself: Is this for unity, or is it is it going to bring us closer to division? Well, yeah, it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to dominate, then unity is not your goal. Those are two different. I will different say this things. too, Butch. I will say this, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but sure, go ahead. Our, our personal life experiences are powerful and it is within, well within our sin nature, if you will, or just in human nature to allow our personal experiences to dictate truth. That is wrong and it will hurt you every single time. And anytime you find yourself allowing your personal feelings and experience to dictate what's best for society or truth or, or what's best for the way you interact with other people, you're going to stumble and you're going to fall. You, you've got to back up from that personal experience, take it for what it is, but kind of like what you were saying with that critical race theory. Yes. People of color have had very bad experiences throughout history, not only in this country, but in every country, you know, some of the most racist countries in, in the, the world or in Africa, some of the most inhumane treatment towards blacks, right now going on in the world is are from other blacks, blacks in Africa. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not so much of a race issue as it is a heart issue. You know, we just as human beings, because we're so, you know, small minded, we look at things like the color of skin or, or gender and, but really it's a heart issue, you know, 
but we have got to back away from personal experience because you know i think personal experience will lead us to division you know we have to realize that the experiences that we have are universal the experiences that you have as a black person i've also experienced those things as a white person what you've experienced as a man i've also experienced those things as a female and if we choose to focus on the the unity of experience which is huge it's like 99 percent of what you're experiencing only one percent of what you experience is because you're straight and male and white human experience is so much bigger and i i got myself into trouble on social media media a few months ago um uh, an african-american girl that i had gone to high school with didn't know very well posted right. um some photos on facebook it was a Twitter. I think it was some kind of tweet or something. It was photos of a, of a, of a black woman doing all these great things. And, and, and her comment above said, this is what self-care looks like to me as a black woman. And I, I swear, I mean, I searched my heart on this very innocently. Very I thought long and hard before I did answering not. this. I, I knee-jerk reaction commented right. on it. But right, in retrospect. Right, right. I searched my heart and I thought, was I trying to be conflictual here? I don't know. Maybe I was. What did you say? I said, interestingly enough, this is exactly what self-care looks like for me, too, as a white woman. How dare you, Oh, Jessica. my gosh, no. Butch. I know. I'm oh, I know. I know. To explain to you the landmine that I stepped into. Sure, no, no, you don't have to explain it, I know. The hate comments that ensued after that were unbelievable. And I was just like, my, I was just like, look, um, I was just relating to you as a woman, but you're just black, okay. You're just, black is your entire identity. You're no sure. longer a woman, you're not a mother, you're not a wife, you're not a human, you're not a Christian, you're not, a, I mean, all you are is black. That, that, I, there's this hilarious spoof going on right now by this one comedian where what do the critical race theorists and racists have in common? And the answer is everything. But sure. they go back and forth about how they have all the exact same beliefs. All yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't, his name's hilarious. not coming to me. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah including anti-Semitism. That's where it wraps up, right? Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that's good <laughs> stuff. Well, I think, I mean... This is this is another it's another quiver in the arrow of when I try to explain people that this is a religion. I mean, the only thing that isn't allowed is religion, right? I mean, in other words, I mean, in the modern zeitgeist, and I wrote an article about this a few months ago. The modern zeitgeist demands that we can talk about anything, but you know, the fact that there might be, you know, a creator with a plan and a human nature that's in. Uh, you know, that's that's consistent and objectively one way or the other. Um, but once once the narrative becomes a certain way, it begins to take on all the trappings of religion. Right. And we may or may not have talked about wokeism as a religion before on this podcast, but I I believe it to be exactly that. I think it is. And look at the term religion and how we use it, right? And this is, you know, I've learned a lot over the last several months. Um, I've spent more time on religion in the last three years than I have, you know, the previous 10 or 
20. And historically, we didn't always consider religion a box that we checked. Right? I promise this connects too. For those of you who are like, oh God, what's he gonna, this is gonna, I have a friend who loves to say, is this gonna be a long story, Butch? Right, that's his favorite question. You know who that is, actually. We know that we know that person in common. <laughs> so, um, hi Jay, how are you? So, <laughs> so does Jay watch this? If so, we should no, I doubt it. So, all right, this is going to be a long story. So, it used to be like the term. What is your religion? Like, if you were to ask somebody, hey, you know, what's your religion? Right. Um, that that's it's like a category. It's like it's a Facebook entry, right? Mm -hmm. What's your you know your gender? What's your you know race? What's your religion? What's your you know hobbies? You know, whatever. I mean, it's just another box that we check, right? It's another category. I remember back in the day we used to talk about you know back in the book business we used to talk about planning our lives and 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 trying to you know, prioritize and making sure we had a balanced life, you know, and people, there's still there books like galore being written on this kind of stuff. You know, you have your civic life and you have your physical life and you have your career and you have family and you have church and you have your, you know, intellectual pursuits and you have, and you can get it in like eight different, I think I had it at some point in eight different categories and, you know, setting goals in each of those categories and making sure that we live like a balanced life. And religion is one of those things that only fairly recently has been just another category. Right. I mean, 200 years ago and before, uh, maybe 300, um, that it wouldn't be it would be central. Right. You're a Christian all day, all the time. You're a Jew all day, all the time. You're a Muslim all day, all the time. It's not like a separate category. Like well, you're you're really speaking to modern Christianity in the United States of America. But if you were to go worship with a group of Christians in China or in parts of India, you might find that. Well, no, not in the United States of America. You're right. Ago, that it still holds true. And. In well, many yeah. other parts, no, and, and we're a very small country. We have what 300 billion people in our country. When sure. you look at the number of people in, in China and India and whatsoever, you know, you know, we're not like we don't have a monopoly on, on Christendom. Well, I just States. my only pushback on that is it's not the United States, it's the entire West. Well, yeah, which is about one sixth of the world's population, give or take, you know, it's about a billion and a half people somewhere, somewhere in that range when you're talking about the West. Right. Yeah. Um, it's actually maybe a little more than that. Maybe it's 2 billion. So, but nonetheless in the West, um, since it, but the, there's a reason for it though. Right. Let me just mm -hmm. back up. So yeah. the reason for it, have I done this before? I don't think I've talked about this before. The reason for it is that, you know, with Reformation and Renaissance and Enlightenment and all that, but especially Reformation, you had people, you know, killing each other over their religion, 
right? And this has been true all over the world. It's not, I'm not picking on the West here. We're, humanity is good about killing each other about their religion, right? But, but in the West, especially Reformation, you had people killing each other over religion. So at some point in the 1700s or so, everybody said, hey, look, right? You're a Frenchman. I'm a Frenchman. You're a Catholic. I'm a Protestant. I mean, but we're both Frenchmen. Right. And so the nation state kind of became more of the way that we identify with each other as unified. Yeah. Right. And so like how often do we say, yeah, but we're all Americans. Right. We say yeah. that a lot now. Mm -hmm. We may have Christian Americans and Muslim Americans and Jewish Americans and atheist Americans and, and, you know, woke Americans. And so my point is, is that, what is now sort of just a category and the United States is, is to your point, the best at just categorize because we have this country that is built specifically on an idea, not an ethnicity, right? So the cut, so the identification with country is more salient and powerful for an American than it is even a Frenchman or a German. So, which puts, which puts religion as a category kind of under, right? And race as a category kind of under, or African-American, you're European-American, you're Asian-American, right? We're all Americans, right? Mm -hmm. Religion did not always have that sort of look and feel for most of civilization mm -hmm. um, until we decided to put it in a little box so that we didn't kill each other anymore. Oh, yeah. Right. Which was a good thing to do. Right. I mean, I, I can't think of a reason not to do that, except for the fact that we put religion in a box, which is not how religion works. And what I'm saying is, is that the way that the woke philosophy or the CRT world or the um, environmentalist left, you know, what, what is it? Rush used to call them. May rest in peace. Uh, um, you know, eco-Nazis or whatever the term is. I mean, it's it's a religion, right? I mean, people people treat these things like religions. It is all-encompassing, right? So, for instance, my my county has just created, now I don't think they've hired anybody yet, but they've created a position called Chief Equity Officer, right? And the Chief Equity Officer's job is going to be to make sure that everything, everything, that the county does takes into account the concept of equity and justice and, and inclusion and diversity and all those sorts of things. Right. So it is strategically, I mean, they not use the word diversity. Let's clarify, not actual diversity, but superficial diversity. Well, I'm not going to say it's superficial or not, but what I will say is that the language used to describe it is not a general, what you and I would call intellectual diversity, not by any means. It is about the modern CRT mindset. My main problem with the position being created is that there's only one type of political animal that is going to fill that position. Mm -hmm. yeah. right? Like there's nobody... I mean, 10 years ago, you might have been able to fill a position like that with somebody more moderate or even right of center, like somebody who's worked on 
discrimination law or somebody who's worked on well, any number of things having to do with you know race relations or whatever. There's a lot of good conservatives out there who have experience with that kind of thing. But the way that they worded the position, and I could put a link in the show notes. I mean, if you're not a lefty advocate for the CRT interpretation of the term equity, then you're not qualified, right? So if the if the Republicans took over my county government and decided to, t- to create a chief liberty officer and, and the, the, the description of the chief liberty officer was somebody who had experience in advocacy or, or uh, causes of religious liberty and gun rights, then, you know, odds are good that somebody far right of center would be filling that position. That's the way that's the way that's worded. It defi- it you can't find a moderate to fill those positions is what I'm saying. It's just it, and actually the latter might be even easier. It might be easier to find somebody who is an advocate for liberty. You could find an ACLU type and maybe squeeze them into a chief liberty officer, right? That's right, possible, right. right? So essentially but, it's like this ideological Yeah, absolutely. It creates been, and to your point is religious in its own regard. It's all, like it is all religious. this work we've done to separate, you know, right. church and state. It's almost it almost resonates as kind of bringing that back together, these ideological positions. It is an ideological position that, that will serve just like the diversity commission in my town um, will serve as a political lightning rod. That's its purpose. And let me, let me ask you this. If you were, if you're getting paid like a buck 25, $150,000 a year, are you going to not find, you know, problems with, race relations and diversity and equity in Loudoun County? Are you just, is your job going to, you're going to do a report every year and go, no, nah, looks like everything's fine. No, no, it's all, it's all good. I think we're doing good on that front. Y'all just right? need to like keep that in Loudoun County and just, I mean, we're doing no. so good here in Tennessee. Please As Loudoun County out goes, so must go the rest of the world. We're the new California. It's fa- it's fascinating. Everybody in California is moving. <laughs> I can't even explain to you, Butch, how expensive the real estate here is in this town oh, I live in. in Nashville. That's a, I've got another podcast episode on that in a couple of weeks. I uh, went and toured million dollar homes on Sunday and they were dumps. Oh, were I mean, they? I, oh my gosh. Because there's a there's the lumber shortage from COVID, so there's a new build shortage. There's a housing shortage. Everybody wants to move here from New York City and California. Right. My and house, from here. And I have friends. It creates like a hundred thousand dollars in value. In I have year. friends that are moving there from here, so that should tell you a little bit Ooh. how bad it is. Anyway, I don't want to get into real there? estate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I have a friend who's moving to Franklin. Like. Butch. What's that? You're an evangelist. What do you mean? Your spiritual gift. You're an evangelist. You're an island in Loudoun County, and you're there to impart the singular truth. The singular truth of You're going to have to say goodbye to your ecumenical mindset and step into your spiritual gift of, ev- of evangelism. Maybe so. <laughs> but I, anyway, all that to tell you that, yeah, Loudoun County is, is going down a path where they know what the truth is and their job is to make sure that everybody agrees. And I look, and you can interpret the chief equity officer more, you know, 
more charitably than I am, right? And it's fair to say that I'm biased against it, but I do not know how you see, how you look at that job description and do not come to the conclusion that this is somebody who's going to try to make sure that there is more animosity, not less, in order to maintain the, the relevance of its position. That's the way that that's the way that cookie crumbles like every time. There's no way around it. And we know this because of how university uh, look, look, when did they start putting chief diversity and equity and inclusion officers into universities? I don't know when that was, but it was within the last 10 years. Have things gotten better on that front? Is race relations better in universities than they were before they started doing that? Hell no. And the reason is, is because those guys need to make their jobs relevant. That's the way that works. So I just, I don't see any path towards unity in that kind of thing because historically, and when I say historically, I mean the last 10 or 15 years, I don't see any good that's come from it. If you can show me where good, comity, unity, love, happiness, human flourishing has been improved as a result of those kinds of positions and that kind of policy, great. Shoot me a note. Show me where the benefits no. have come. I, I disagree. Mean, the, the changes need to happen organically. And, and what's sad is that so much good has happened organically. For <coughs> you just have to look at our kids. My child went to school today dressed up for the wax museum that they're having at school. So they all line up like dressed up like different people, historical okay. figures. And guess who she is dressed up as? I don't want to guess. Who's, who's that? <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. Oh, and great. So, <laughs> so she no, came home. I mean, what could go wrong? I mean, that's perfectly she, fine. She came home two or three months ago and she said, she's got the biggest, best personality on the face of the planet. And she came home and she threw her bag down and she said, guess what, mom? I, for the Wax Museum Day, I'm going to be the most beautiful, wealthiest woman on the face of the planet. And I was like, whoa, who's that? She grabs my phone and she Googles, you know, a name. And then she shows me these pictures and she goes, look how phenomenally beautiful she is. And she pulls up all these pictures of Oprah Winfrey. And I'm thinking, so, okay, great. Um, <laughs> which decade in particular do you think she's the, the best looking? Um, no, no, no. What I'm, the reason why I'm saying this is because it warmed my heart so that she is, uh, you know, 10 year old girl and, and, doesn't even see the race thinks that this black wow, yeah. woman is absolutely beautiful and successful and is so excited that she gets to embody this character and which is awesome you know and then uh <laughs> this morning she's leaving i mean i put together this costume at the last second because it's the kind of mom i am sure and uh you know i take this uh wig out of this bag to put this wig on her head this big i mean the only thing sure. i could find was this cheap afro wig so right, i'm kind yeah, of right. trimming it up trying to make it look you know a little bit more like oprah winfrey style sure and i said honey i, I gotta admit to you this wig is not the perfect likeness and no and no, she, it's not a good this look. little girl she put this wig on she i did her makeup she put her blazer on i gave her a microphone so, and hang, glasses, hang on and fig earrings 
Okay, but there was there was blackface involved or not? No, no? there was no blackface okay. involved. Um, I'm just I, I, I just said, don't I want any pictures said, if that's the case. I said I want you to feel like um, you know she's got one uh, African American friend in her classroom, and I said I think her sure. name is Tanisha. I said if if Tanisha is supposed to dress up like a a white person, like do you really think she's going to put white makeup all over her face? That would look that's right. Good. That's exactly like, true. Look, you yep. just have to embody the essence of this, sure. of this person without taking it over the top. Because God she, forbid we look at something other than you know. Right. She looked in the mirror at herself with that big hair and those earrings and that lipstick, and she said, "Hi, I'm Oprah Winfrey, and let me tell you about my rags to riches story." And I'm telling you, she owned this part like nothing I've ever seen. I'm, the reason why I'm telling you this, Butch, is because kids like are not racist. But when we start focusing nonstop on race, it sends a message to kids that it's extremely important. Sure. Well, then somebody needs to explain to me what's so extremely important about it. It, it, it goes to the heart of what you were saying earlier. It's either important or it's not. Or it can either be celebrated for its diversity, but when we make it so important, your skin color determines how you will be treated in society, how attractive you are, how successful you are, the degree to which you'll be able to do this or this or that. When you make it so imminently important, you send a message not only to people of color, children of color, that, whoa, you know, you're very underprivileged. Yeah. We want you to know you're very underprivileged, but the, the message that you send to the white children is a whole lot more dangerous. Yes, indeed, you are privileged because you're white. Th this message is is not, I mean, you said per that there is potentially some truth in it. Well, I'd be open-minded to hearing that. My personal belief is that it's a highly dangerous, evil message that is going to rebound our country to more racist Right. So if we're not we may careful, be, we may be parsing here, but so, yeah, I, I agree with you that the, that the, that the narrative of CRT is false. All I'm saying earlier is that even if, it, even if there were elements of truth to it, which I agree that it, it has evil and the falseness of it contributes to the ineffectiveness of it and the, and the damage that it does. And I, I agree with all that. I'm just saying that even if there were, speaking ecumenically, even if there were are elements to it that we shouldn't ignore, let's just put it that way, then it's still not a good idea to pursue the conclusions that they've drawn as to how policy should be enacted to, you know, to improve things. Yeah. So I'm not... I'm just trying to be as I just don't want to tell a large group of people that believe a certain way about how race relations have been going um, that they're objectively completely wrong. And not only are not only that, all their ideas are evil and thus we have nothing to talk about. No, no. I mean, it would be like somebody saying, look, the over the course of the last 500 years the the domestic civility between men and women has become like phenomenally better than it ever has been in the history of the United States or the history of the world i mean uh, if you look at the treatment of women women have been property women have been you know murdered by their husbands 
um, murdered for, you know, the discovery of lost virginity, whatever it is, you know, I mean, sure. women have been treated crazily through human history, through in many, many, if not most civilizations, until pretty recently. But if somebody were to come to you and say, oh, you know, women are treated amazingly in these modern times compared to the way they've been treated in the past, somebody who's currently in a situation where her husband beats her every day when she gets home from work is not going to buy that. not agree with you. That's but right. We still can't take her personal experience. Her personal experience is valuable as a personal experience and should be treated as such. Sure. And, 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 and justice still needs to be met in that particular situation. But that does not change the overall concept that, you know, we're still on a good, a good trajectory here. And, uh, and well, that's actually we debatable whether we're still on a good trajectory. I think we've been on a good trajectory. Um, I think another, let's just say another episode uh, might be something along the lines of um, at what point do we start going down a bad trajectory of how women are treated, uh, you know, in the last 60 years. I just I think that there are some questions to be asked about, you know, what what have we what what kind of decisions are we making that um, that do more damage than they do good? Well, that would definitely be an interesting um, an interesting uh, podcast for us to have. That's right. That's but another topic for another day. Topic. <laughs> yeah, no, but to your point though, uh, and and the other connection with the with the race issue is that the way that women are treated in many societies today are not much better than they were a couple hundred years ago. It's I mean, there's still, you know, women's slavery, you know, all over the all over the planet, sure. right? It's but I mean, how thing. ridiculous would it be to create critical gender theory where <laughs> which probably exists, um, you know, where we oh, know, no, that's basically I mean, it is, right, and where we basically demonize men, although it's really kind of actually, and this could be another topic for us to explore, because it actually is just shocking to me that we are, that we focus so much on race, but when you look at, I mean, the world's violent crimes, the world's violent crimes, and, and we see that 95% of it is committed by men. Sure. There's like zero, zero discussion about that. There's just zero. It's just, that's how men naturally are. You know, it's, it's so crazy, you know, to me that we don't have more conversations about that. It would be so easy to demonize men over white people, in, in my opinion, you know. Oh, yeah, no, um, it's absolutely true. Um, I would also say that if it wasn't for women, we wouldn't kill each other at all. I mean, there wouldn't be any reason to. I'm just kidding. So, no, the, the point is, is that. Um, if it wasn't for women, you wouldn't be here, Butch. That's right. Well, I, I think my take on that, uh, and we that is a whole episode, uh, you know, girl power. Um, when we're talking unity versus truth, that's that's a quintessential issue. In other words, like even if you were to take a very like Southern Baptist, and I hate to pick on the Southern Baptists because they're having a rough time at the moment, but um, 
even if you were to take a, a I, real. I gotta jump in here, and I have to. Out of sheer curiosity, when you say the Southern Baptists are having a rough time at the moment, what exactly are you alluding to? Oh, I'm sorry. No, there's there's people who are leaving the Southern Baptist Convention uh, because of the they disagree with how they um, treat women theologically or something. Okay. I think a lot of it is overblown, but there are high That's profile women who are like, leaving. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. There are high profile women who are leaving, leaving the convention or leaving the that faith. More, right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I don't know the details of that. I don't follow the Southern Baptist convention. I was raised as a Southern Baptist most of my childhood from two to 18, if you will. So, you know, that's, that's, it's a relevant topic, but I, I don't know enough about it. I just, I'm just saying I don't want to pick on them, but let's broaden it to evangelical Christians. Even if you were to take the most doctrinaire accurate, right? You know, the, the most, like if you were to uh, be charitable in your definitions of how the evangelical Christian world views the most charitable view of it um, is a unity versus truth question. And that is um, like the way that men and women treat each other and the way that men treat other men and women treat other women in terms of our gender roles, whether it be in society or whether it be husband and wife or girlfriend and boyfriend, brother, sister, mom, dad, or mom and son, mom and daughter, dad and dad and son, dad and daughter, like all those things, those relationships, if you will, the the unity approach is to acknowledge the differences between men and women and not pretend that they don't exist, right? Whereas the flattening of the roles and the inability to acknowledge the differences in how we are biologically engineered, if you will, um, that I think that does entirely more damage than than the other approach. So, but that's a whole different that's a whole different topic for another day. Right, right. But, but either way, what you're looking for is. And this connects with your other, and I think this is a good way to probably wrap it up. And I'll let you let I'd love to get your thoughts on it. You mentioned the the singular question earlier of who is God, right? In other words, that that's the philosophical question that that should unite us is this pursuit of truth, the name of God, the wisdom of God, the you know, the Son, Spirit, and Father of God. I mean, everything, uh, everything that we're trying to seek is capital T truth and is the 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 other part of it though is what is man you know what is what is humanity what does it mean to be human so not just theology but anthropology if we're seeking an, a, an answer questions that are relevant to us then anthropology is is a monster part of the task what does it mean to be human and when we're approaching God, and and man, meaning man and woman, uh, that way, then I think race becomes. I'm not saying we should be colorblind. I mean, to one of your earlier points, I don't think that's useful. I mean, I, I, I'm not colorblind. I think that's a red herring, a straw man that's thrown at us as as conservatives to to try to make it look like we don't care. 
Right. Well, yeah, that's right. color blindness. That's easy to say I if you're a white person. I, I want to clarify no, I, though that I think that children are more colorblind. I think children to a certain extent are gender blind. I think children just kind of see other people in these really general, so. no, beautiful no, no. Let me, terms. Let me push back. I don't think they're colorblind. Uh, but I think what they are thing. What's that? Just to an extent. I'm saying that I, I mean I watch my children interact with other children. Their behavior does not change based That's true. on what I'm, race, what I'm trying gender, to, and class. I'm, what I'm trying to get at, yeah, and class isn't relevant to them either, right? No, what I'm trying to get at is that I don't want the term colorblind to cloud the issue, Right. okay? Agreed. I'm not saying that we should be colorblind in that we should ignore or not notice other people's skin color. My daughter is not ignorant of other people's skin color. She says it. She said, well, he has dark skin or he has black skin and I have white skin. She doesn't define anyone's humanity based on it, but she doesn't ignore it. It's just a thing. It's like if somebody has black hair versus blonde hair, green eyes versus blue eyes or short versus tall or girl versus boy. She knows the difference between girls and boys. She knows the difference between uh, adults and children and categorization is not sure a problem that your chief your chief equity officer will take care of all of that soon pretty soon right. your daughter won't yeah. know the difference between a boy and a girl because it's not equitable well that's Sorry, what's amazing but that's what's amazing about the conversation think about what you just said i mean she we we are told that there should be no differences between men and women right and the civil rights you know fight of our age is to make sure there's no differences. But don't you tell me you're colorblind, right? We want to make sure that we know what the differences are color-wise. And based on our skin color, we're going to talk about how different we are and how different they are. That's irrational, right? I mean, you can't, like one of those, one of those things does not look like the other. And you can't do both at the same time and act like you're being logical, right? So if we're going to if we're going to pretend like things are the same, it's a lot easier to pretend that races are the same and be colorblind than it is to pretend that genders are the same and be genderblind. Yeah. One makes sense and the other one does not. Either way, I'm not saying that we have to ignore people's skin color. What I am saying is that we do not need to elevate their skin color above all things. And just to connect the dots here, if you are a religion and your religion is if your religion is based on skin color then you do have to center your race above all other things yeah and so that's why i think crt is a religion is because i think in an ancient fashion in a very tribal way it centers skin color as as sure. the you know uh, what is it bipoc or whatever you know yeah I can't remember what that stands for, but you know, uh, something indigenous, black indigenous people of color or whatever. And, it's and just see the same thing with gender. I mean, <laughs> light, light feminism is fine. The feminism that says men and women should be treated equally. Okay, great. In that regard, we should all be feminists. But Under the at, law. Yeah. But when you look at radical feminism that elevates the female, and like you just said, in a tribalistic way, in a matriarchal way above. The male, sure. well, then you've taken it too far. And so, 
And I think if you if you buy into conflict theory, you believe that you have to take it too far in order for it to arrive where you want it to arrive. Right. But, but in order for more, you to finally get to the utopia that you've always right. sought. But you know, as a conservative, that's unreasonable. And and we don't believe that will happen on this planet. You know, so. as yeah. somebody who is like a mild feminist or you know, like a technical one, um, I I want to be treated equally as a woman. I want to have equal equal rights in my marriage and equal footing in society and equal opportunities. But I also love celebrating being a woman, and I love all of the really cool things that come along with that. I think, I think that in my personal opinion, that's the way it should be with, with, with different ethnicities is that different ethnicities should be given equality of opportunity, equality of justice within our society. And we should work tirelessly for those opportunities and to make sure that our justice system and our laws are treating everybody equally according to our constitution. But on the other side of that, like I want people to celebrate their ethnicities to the extent that they want to, you know, um, you know, culturally, you know, if you love being a Southern black woman, like tell me about that and, and let's celebrate that together. Sure. Like I'm, I'm excited for you with that. If you're live in San Francisco and you're second generation Chinese, you know, like I want to know all about that. Like I'm, I'm all about embracing some multiculturalism to the extent that the other person wants to all this bull crap though, about cultural appropriation and, and all that. I'm, I'm not on board for that. I mean, not, personally. yeah, yeah. Well, that's if I a want whole. To wear braids. I'll wear braids. If I want to wear an afro afro jacket that that I got from Kenya because I want to celebrate the Kenyan culture, guess what? I will. And you're more than welcome to eat some well, German that's a whole... sausage and you know and some German drink some German beer. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh, right. cultural appropriation. I'm German. Put right. that sauerkraut down, you jerks. Right. Well, that's that's a whole other top like cultural appropriation is a whole separate podcast that we're never going to do no uh, we're not that, because it would be like a five minute podcast it's yeah. stupid thank you and have a wonderful day yeah have you, thank thank you very much have a wonderful day we're we're done here well look um i i think um uh, my, my goal was to get to um an answer of unity versus truth and uh, and the unity is the the answer is supposed to be why not both right? But I don't think we got there. Maybe I mean, next I year. I think we were both there before we got here. I mean, it's just it's. I don't know that we, we were. I don't know that we were able to show our work there and prove that you could have both. But I do think I do think that um, moving forward, uh, when we look at the race issue, especially the CRT thing, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards unity every darn time. Because I believe that anthropologically, um, that we we should treat each other, you know, the same as human beings first. Like or like Heather Hyden says, and I've said it before, you know, come to me as a human being first, as an individual second. After that, you can go tribal, but you better know your population statistics uh, before you do. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, so uh, I think that probably wraps us up for the day. Uh, anything else you want to add? No, I think um, uh, I mean I think truth and unity work synonymously together, and sometimes you have to speak truth to get to unity. Sometimes you have to take the path of unity to get to truth, and you have to have wisdom to know who who you're talking to and, and weigh people's experiences carefully. And and looking back at this last year, kind of a circle back to that virtue signaling I was doing earlier in the podcast, you know. 
we have to learn. We have to learn to walk that balance between valuing the experience of the individual and respecting the, the individual conversations that we're having at the moment, validating people's viewpoints and their life experiences while you know being curious about the truth and kind of walking and walking hand in hand with whoever it is we're talking with in a way that's loving, that, that honors their experience, but also honors truth and, and, and curiosity towards that truth. And it's, it's a balance between that truth and unity, but ultimately it's the same destination and we have to, you know, we have to be practice wisdom. And, and, and I've learned this past year that, you know, I, I need to get better at that. I really have. So, um, yeah, you know, we I all want, could be want, better at that. Yeah, I want love to be the first thing that I'm emanating. I want people to see a love first. And for sure. some people that might need to express itself more in terms of initial unity. And for some people, you know, just simply speaking truth might be the answer in that situation. So that's really good stuff. I, uh, I'm glad you used the word curiosity. I just came up with another, and this is from a TV show. I, I recently uh, sold another, speaking of religion, I, I sold another portion of my soul uh, to Apple. Um, so Tim Cook may, you know, praise be his name. I'm going to go the other way. Um, uh, Tim Cook is now, has a, has a, you know, a slightly larger chunk of my soul because I've, I've got the Apple one thing with Apple TV and Apple music and, oh. and Apple music is going to have HD soon, you know, uh, which is very awesome. So anyway, I started watching one of those, Apple TV shows called Ted Lasso and uh, Jason Sudeikis plays this, you know, coach. Uh, he's coaching. He's, he, he's from Kansas and he's playing, he's coaching soccer in the UK or whatever. And it's one of those like necessary roughness, uh, major league type of things where the owner is trying to tank the team for whatever reason. And so, you know, but the, so the coach is like a joke. Right. But he doesn't know it, but he's just so positive and so awesome that, you know, it backfires. And so, but he, one of the episodes, he, he tells this story about when he was a kid, how um, people would pick on him and they would, they would make assumptions about him and they would judge him. And the dichotomy he says is judgment versus curiosity. Right. So being judgmental versus being curious. Mm. And it's a great scene. And he talks about how, you know, he basically uh, challenged this guy to darts. And he says, you know, somebody who's judgmental would just look at me and assume I'm no good at darts. Somebody who's curious might just ask the question, hey, do you play a lot of darts? <laughs> and the answer is yes, since I was nine, like with my dad until he died when I was 15. Right. You know, mm -hmm. that kind of and it's a powerful scene. And the, the mm -hmm. question of being judgmental versus being curious. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's uh, I, I think I we need that. to lean toward on that dichotomy. It's easy. I think we need to lean wow. towards the curious. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Because then you elevate the conversation from darts to my dad died when I was 15. And you are more likely to make better decisions. Oh yeah. Curiosity, you know, takes the stance of gathering information where judgment assumes you already have it. And, you know, when I assume I already have all the information, I generally end up looking like a, you know, so right. well, even on this note, 
Um, <laughs> so the rule is be curious, not judgmental. Oh, I like it. I love it. That's good. All right. Well, look, um, thank you so much for all that you do. We went a little over today, uh, but uh, I, I like your background better uh, than, you know, I, I just think you've improved. You're, not that your previous backgrounds have been bad. I would never make a judgment like that. But I do think I like your current background. So for those changing. who are watching, what's that? It's just going to keep changing. Okay. That's one way to go. Mine's going to say the same. <laughs> so for those who are watching or listening, please go have a great conversation, but make sure that you play by the rules. Thanks for listening to Rules of the Game. Please give us a five-star review and share with all your friends who are interested in thoughtful and entertaining discussions. Be sure also to visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash rules of the game and on Facebook at facebook.com slash ROTG podcast. If you're interested in joining the conversation as a contributor or lively discussions with other thoughtful citizens, then go to greatconversations.us. Also last, but certainly not least, check out our sponsor and benefactor, Independent Education at indead.us, where they mastered the art of the micro school before it was cool.